Kristen, what's the difference between science and magic? Do you have, oh. do you know? Do you have a theory? Wow, these are deep thoughts. Stumped you. Because I think we're supposed to think that science is the truth, but even science is subjective according to my 1990s PC college classes. That's correct. And um, so science being true, who knows? They used to have things in science like hysteria. Well, right. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Or like the movements of the planets. All kinds of things that we Flat Earth. Flat Earth, all that stuff, right? Yeah, sure. I I don't know. And then magic... Isn't magic closer to this whole idea of belief and higher power in a way that science might not be? Um, well, it's just, but, but magic is when you're defying the laws of science, right? Oh. Like, for instance, I have a document, but not in front of my hands. It just exists somewhere else, and I can access it at any time. Pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. And it's not it scientifically science? logical because you picked that card, but that card's actually in my hat right now. <laughs> I took off my hat, and that card's in my hat. Is that right? Now you've lost me. I don't know. But I think it's a valid point because, <laughs> because let's see if I can maintain this thread of thinking, because we've got two movies that are about magic and science. And Ooh. I think the question is, what's the difference? Ooh. We're talking about Magic in the Moonlight, the new Woody Allen movie, and Lucy starring Scarlett Johansson. And we're also going to be talking about And So It Goes, the new Diane Keaton and Michael Douglas movie. We'll find out if that's magical. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. Kristen, lay some magic on me. Tell me how magical is the movie and so it goes. Well, I just have to say, I always think love is magic. Yep. And this is a love story. This is a Rob Reiner movie. Uh, and by the way, Rob Reiner actually acts in this movie, too. He doesn't oh, good. just direct in it. He plays um, a pianist who is the uh, guy who accompanies Diane Keaton, who's a lounge singer. Ah. And he wears a toupee. And that's kind of the one joke about him is, he's the guy who wears a toupee. Okay. Ah. <laughs> hey. So the premise of this movie is Diane Keaton is mourning the loss of her husband, Eugene, from a few years earlier. And Michael Douglas is mourning the loss of his wife from a few years earlier. And, of course, when you get two people of a certain age together who are single in a house, in a beach house, there's got to be love, right? Here's a clip. Last time I had sex, I tore my ACL. Is this relevant to anything? Well, I just thought some information that you should have. Is this by any chance some pathetic attempt at flirtation? Well, when you put it that way, uh, no. Now, this isn't just about love. It's about overcoming the pain of the past, moving forward, right? Now, I thought there was a grandkid in here somewhere. Oh, there is. But sometimes in order to move past the past, you have to embrace the future, and that is a grandchild sometimes. Kids are the future. Yes, kids are the future. So Michael Douglas, he's chosen to deal with the loss of his spouse by becoming a bitter jerk. He's just mean to everybody. Yeah. But then this granddaughter's dropped in his lap, and maybe that's going to change him, right? Is she adorable? She is adorable. It was just a guess on my she, part. She's 10 years old. She's precocious. She knows how to make little moving pictures with her device and mm. stop motion where you're going to put some Joni Mitchell music with that video, and then you're going to cry and realize life goes on. Kids love Joni Mitchell. Yeah, they just love <laughs> as, as we all know. <laughs> 
to say that really threw me off. I'm like, what 10-year-old kid is listening to Joni Mitchell? Well, I already have some suspicions about this movie, Kristen. How, yeah. how, how was it? Unfortunately, it wasn't a laugh riot. There were definitely some touching moments, in it, and it's just like, you know, Diane Keaton's so likable. Yeah. And I know you like Michael Douglas, even Love though him. he's smarmy. But he's pretty good at being smarmy in this movie because they're kind of playing up his smarmy, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, it also drags a lot. And I think that as much as I love Diane Keaton, I feel that she's kind of fallen into this trap over the last few years of playing the same character over and over again who yeah. cries too much, is uncontrollable, um, inconsolable, overly emotional, Hmm. And I feel like we've just seen this over and over again ever since Something's Gotta Give. Yeah. And then Darling Companion we saw it and Big Wedding we saw it. It's just kind of the same middle-aged lady crying too much who just can't keep it under wraps, who just happens to be gorgeous and have a fantastic figure and ends up in bed with somebody. (laughs) And then that person isn't really sure he wants to be with her. And then, of course, in the end he does. And I feel like we've seen this so many times with her lately. and. And I love you, Diane Keaton, but I'd love to see you do something else, and I'd love for there to be more laughs. I mean, it was just kind of like, like I said, there's the joke about Rob Reiner wearing a toupee. It's not that funny. Not that funny. No, so, so there are things like that where it's just, I, I just don't think it's the best date. You not, know? Not, not the best date. It's not the worst date, but... Bad it, date? Not quite. It didn't give me that magic. Didn't, uh, didn't give me that magic. It didn't All give right. me that magic. No, so, and so it goes... And so it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, so. Okay. Well, okay. So here's a movie that that might be have a little have a little more magic in it. It's Lucy, uh, the new movie from Luc Besson, one of my favorite oh, directors. Oh, we love Luc Besson, and, and we it, love ScarJo, and I love Scarlett Johansson, of course. Um, this just seems like a match made in heaven to me. You know, Luc, Luc Besson is one of the one of the great. Uh, trashy action filmmakers uh, who loves to use female uh, heroines in his movies, uh, La Femme Nikita, and to some extent The Professional with mm-hmm. uh, Natalie Portman, uh, Columbiana, which wasn't that great, but was still, you know, a central female, uh, you know, butt kicking action figure, which I think is great. And we all know that Scarlett Johansson is good at that. We've seen her as so fierce. the Black Widow, and, you know, we've, we, we know she can do this kind of thing. Uh, in this movie, she plays a drug mule who has been sort of roped into the business against her will. She's implanted in her abdomen with a pouch of some kind of weird drug called CPH4. Mm. She is captured at one point, kicked in the stomach by a ruthless thug, which causes the pouch to leak, and she ingests the drug. Uh, it is not a hallucinogen or an amphetamine. I'm not really sure what it's intended to be, but its side effect uh, is to give you access to 100% of your brain, which Ooh. allows you to do amazing things. Here's a clip. Yes? Professor Norman, my name's Lucy. I just read all your research on the human brain. It's a little rudimentary, but you're on the right track. Thank you. Now, I'm just going to list off just a short list of all the things she can do. Uh, One is she can read quickly, type very quickly, absorb information. Um, She can – she has super strength. She can beat people up. Uh, she feels no pain. She can pull bullets out of her body with uh, no problem. She can move objects with her mind. Wow. She can access the Internet with her fingers or really just kind of by sort of going into the Internet, I'd say. Um, and eventually, I guess you'd say she's heading toward a state of being like uh, the cosmos, I guess. Wow. So it's, it's, not, it's, it's not, you know, 
She's this made ain't of just star stuff. Yeah, this this ain't just webs coming out of your wrist. This wow. is a whole this is a whole new level. Of course, here to explain it all to us is Morgan Freeman as Professor we Norman. We need him to do you that. You always need Morgan Freeman, and he he can make this stuff sound pretty convincing when he's on screen talking. Once he's not on screen talking, you start thinking, "Wait a minute!" No, this doesn't sound like you should be thinking at all. Well, yeah, sounds like you should just be enjoying. I'll say two. Two things about this movie. One is it's very interestingly done. It has a lot of like weird visual jokes in it. Um, so like, for instance, when Scarlett Johansson is talking to her boyfriend and he's saying, oh, you know, come on, just take this suitcase in there. It's no big deal. And she's saying, oh, I don't know. That doesn't sound very good. Luke Besson, the director, will, will cut. He'll actually just cut out of nowhere to a picture of a little mouse sniffing a piece of cheese in a trap. Or then when she's, you know, in the hallway and all the thugs are coming after her, like coming down the hall with their suits and their guns, Luc Besson will cut to a picture of leopards stalking a gazelle. Oh, that sounds fantastic. It's really that funny, so good. really weird. And initially you're like, well, this is just this is thrillingly odd. This is just a completely funny, weird, different action film. The problem is when you've got superpowers and you basically are the cosmos, who are you fighting? What, who, who, who's going to defeat you and how? There's aren't, really... you, aren't you just supposed to be defeating the people who put the drug pouch in you and yeah, then the but thug that's so... who kicked you in the stomach? But it's pretty easy to do when you can just <laughs> become time space. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and after a while, there's no villain. There's no bad guy. There's no love interest. There's, no, there's kind of no nothing. It's just Scarlett Johansson going through all these weird metamorphoses, kind of like altered states or like 2001 where you're heading backwards in time to the moment of creation of the entire cosmos. And it gets a little... A ridiculous and B kind of dull. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it's a Not real bummer. Because ridiculous can be fun. Ridiculous can be fun. Initially, it's ridiculous, and in the end, it's kind of dull. A real disappointment for oh. me. A really disappointing date because I had such high hopes for it. One last question: Were you singing "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds" when you <laughs> felt like she was the cosmos? I was not, but really? I'm, but I'm surprised that's that all that, I could that, think that was did not you play. Were explaining this to me, that's all I could think. Is now I have to, you know, shut off this board right now and go and listen to that song. She's not named for uh, the Beatles song. She's named for the first woman, Lucy. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. And 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 just I would I have to spoil this a little bit. We see that Lucy. Lucy meets Lucy. Oh my god. In this movie. That's because how weird. That's how weird this movie is. I, I have to see it now. I know you you're might, saying you it's know, not a good date, but I think I want to see this just one. Just prepare for disappointment. That's all I'm saying. So let's talk about the real magic movie this week, the one that has the word magic in the title. Actually in the title. Yes, Magic in the Moonlight, Woody Allen's new movie, which stars Emma Stone as a clairvoyant and Colin Firth as the skeptic who is trying to reveal her for the charlatan that she really is. So this takes place in the 1920s. There is um, suspicion that this wonderful, charming woman, played by Emma Stone, might be pulling the wool over people's eyes, but she seems to be able to do all sorts of things. She can look at you and tell you about your past. Yes. And she knows about people in your life who are both dead and alive. Colin Firth is an actual magician, someone who's paid to do magic, and he's known to be able to reveal people who aren't really magicians. So he's brought in to find out what's really happening, and maybe he'll find out more than he wants to know. Here's a clip. You'd, you'd be happier if I was a fraud, because then your whole fixed worldview wouldn't be shaken up. No, it's quite the opposite. If you knew how much I don't want you to be a fake. Oh, but think how embarrassing it would be for you. Your whole life, 
you spent publicly crusading against spiritualism, and then you'd have to, you'd have to come out with it and say that you were wrong. But I'm not wrong. So I know you love Colin Firth, Kristen. Oh, how can you not love Colin Firth? And I know you love Emma Stone. I love Emma Stone, and I love Colin Firth. Yeah, I love them both, too. And who doesn't love a romance where the girl is a quarter of the guy's age? <laughs> That's right. Everyone loves that. Woody Allen that. loves that especially. Woody, Woody, Woody Allen especially. really loves that. Yes. yes, he sure does. So, yeah, obviously this isn't just about him finding out whether or not she's a fraud, but maybe also finding about the magic and secrets of his own heart. That's correct. <laughs> I will say, too, Emma Stone uh, looks particularly young in this movie. She, yes. looks, she looks like she's about 17 in, yes. this, in this movie, which she, which she isn't anymore. But she really looks like a teenager. Yeah, she's got her little bobbed haircut. She's wearing those little dresses that ah, look she like looks, she may be a schoolgirl. She looks great, doesn't she? She, lo- <laughs> she looks, and she does, and I have to give it, I really have to tip my hat to Woody Allen, who I think makes this movie look really good. He's got all the details, the, the costumes, the wardrobe in this movie is great. You know, uh, uh, Hamish Linklater plays uh, a, a wealthy guy who's fallen in love with Emma Stone's character, and he dresses this great cable knit oh, yes. sweater with the white with trousers. the V neck collar. Yeah, the white trousers got a ukulele, and <laughs> Emma Stone's got those great willowy legs and the little funny cloche hat and the and the and the gauzy dresses. And Colin Firth looks fantastic. Everyone looks great in the movie. The whole thing looks really has a real glow to it. I think. Did you like? Did you like it in general? Did you like the characters in the story? You know, I thought the characters were great, but I thought that. It should have been snappier and punchier. I thought hmm. the, I, I I love the premise, this idea of what's magic and what's not. What yes. do we believe in, and uh, what do we have to know concretely for real? And the idea that we've talked about this before. I can't remember if it's been on the podcast or off mic, Rafer, but the idea that there are some things that I believe in that are transcendent and bigger and yeah. like, almost religious. And I think that yeah. love is the biggest example of that. And, exactly. Um, and you don't necessarily have logic to back it up. You don't necessarily have science to explain love, even though scientists always are trying to explain how love works. Maybe it's just something that we can't quite nail, and there's something great about that. Sure, I agree. And I think the movie tries to get at that and and maybe doesn't illustrate it quite as well or as vividly or as uh, with with, an, with as much sparkle as you would like yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I wanted more sparkle. I yeah. wanted more snap and more sparkle and I wanted it to just move you in a way where you're like, ah, aha, yeah. yes. There's this a, is the essence of why love is amazing. There's a little something lacking in the script that I can't put my finger on, but I do think that whatever that something is, it's it's almost entirely covered up by Colin Firth and Emma Stone, who I think are both just so great in this movie and so likable and fun and and attractive and fun to watch. And, um, you know, and Colin Firth, I mean, you know, he's Hugh Grant all over again in this movie. He's just, he's fantastic. You know, there's <laughs> stammering and, and flustered. And, and he's and, kind of a jerk, too. And he's kind of a jerk, <laughs> right, which is fun. It's, 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 a really, it's a really fun character, and he's he plays it wonderfully. And I really feel like... The movie is basically hanging on both of them for the most part. I mean, it's it's really just the two of them. And they make it work. And I would say because of them, I think it's a pretty good date. It's definitely not Midnight in Paris, and it's definitely not Blue Jasmine, and it's not Match Point. Oh, thank and God it's, not, it's not Blue Jasmine. I know, you didn't like Blue Jasmine. It's not one of Woody <laughs> Allen's later masterpieces. But I think it's a lot of fun and really lovely and uh, and funny and enjoyable. 
I think it's sweet and it's lovely. And, you know, maybe you can go there with your sweetheart and hold hands. But afterward, I don't think you're going to go home and make sweet love. You'll just be like, that was nice. Let's grab dinner. <laughs> it's an okay date. An okay date. Um, you're so 70s, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What did they say in the 1920s? I, oh, movies in the 1920s. What did they say? That? I have no idea. I'm sure they had some choice words for it. But <laughs> sweet love is much sweet, sweet love is much better. <laughs> Let's just break out that joint in the wine cooler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always liked the peach flavor. So delicious. Okay. All right. Let's let's uh, let's put down our wine coolers and uh, and clear our throats and go to movie therapy, shall Ooh, we? Yes. Let's get on the couch. What seems to be the trouble? Can I confess something? I'm just trying to tell you about my feelings. He's been depressed. Help! Now this, as always, is where you and I, with no medical degrees or uh, <laughs> any kind of <laughs> knowledge or expertise of the human psyche whatsoever, <laughs> where we use that total lack of credibility. <laughs> to prescribe you some movies to help you with your problems. So here's this week's call. Hey, guys. This is Shan from Portland, Oregon. I absolutely love your show. Found you guys a few months ago, and I've been binge listening ever since. And one of the things that I, I enjoy and value the most is the sheer generosity of the pro bono work you guys do as, as a cinematic therapist. So to that end, I thought I'd ask for a little advice. I'm on the tail end of ass cancer treatment, which can really just um, lay me out flat at times. So you can imagine I have a lot of hazy time to fill. Um, so what I think I need is your recommendations, but, but within these parameters. Okay, no mention of cancer. Um, nothing with extended chase scenes. I'm totally with Kirsten on this. Ideally, I guess, um, maybe more of a middle-aged cast. So thanks a million. Okay, I hope I have your name right. Is it Shan? I hope I have that right. Um, I'm sorry to hear about what you're going through. That sounds pretty rough. But we're really glad you're you're on the road to recovery. It sounds like. Yes, so. indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. So Kristen and I each have some picks. Uh, Kristen, what's what's the overarching theme of your your prescription today? Well, Sham, you know, you were saying that like me, you like maybe some older people in the story. You also don't need high-speed car chases. And I think that when you're recovering from an illness, that it's nice to just have something stupid where you don't have to think too hard. And it's nice to be jolly, to laugh a little bit. And I personally also like singing when I'm sick. I force people, does like singing. I force people to come over to my house and sing silly love songs by wings on repeat <laughs> a great over song. and over and over again with me. Or I force them to watch The Sound of Music with me. But... I'm not going to force you to do any of those things today. I'm going to just take that essence of what I enjoy and what you need, and I'm going to prescribe three movies based on your needs, not mine. Okay. And I have chosen uh, three movies that belong to a genre that I usually do not like, um, and I usually do not recommend them to people. Um, they are movies in which nothing bad ever happens to anyone <laughs> ever. Uh, however, it seems, Shan, that maybe you're a special case and that maybe these movies could do you some good right now. So that's, that's, my, that's my prescription. Um, I'm going to start with Chef 
a movie that uh, Kristen and I oh. both reviewed not too long ago. Kristen did not like this movie. I, I loved it. It's John Favreau playing a fancy pants L.A. chef who uh, his career takes a nosedive. He's frustrated. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he decides to kind of start from the ground up and drive a food truck across country, humble himself by serving Cuban sandwiches to, uh, to people across the U.S. And um, everything just goes swimmingly. Here's a clip. Carl, we're staying with the same menu, right? Yeah, I have something really good planned for tonight. I'm going to let you say it's not sweetbreads. Yeah, You're going to be able to taste it. That may be true, but we have the most reservations we've had on a work night since we opened. You realize that? I know. I was on Twitter. I was, yeah. I was, I was promoting the restaurant. I was what? on Twitter. Yeah, that's another thing. From now on, before you post anything online, I okay it. You know, the food porn is nice in it. Oh, yeah, the food porn the, is the great. The food porn is great, but the rest of the movie, you're right. Nothing happens. Nope. Nothing happened. <laughs> nothing, nothing bad ever happened. No conflict. No villain. <laughs> nothing bad happened. Everything's just great. And I, and I will tell you, I do think the movie has a lot of charm. It's very funny. The acting is surprisingly top notch. Um, and everyone's in it. Scarjo's e- in it. Right. Dustin Hoffman's in it. Robert Downey Jr. is in it. That's right. Everyone's in it. So that's my number one pick to you. All right. My number one pick with an older cast in it. And with that singing I mentioned is Mamma Mia. Now, this movie is ridiculous. Yep. You don't have to think too hard. You can just be happy. You can be thrilled for those middle-aged people finding love. And um, you can force people to come over to your house and sing with you. And I just think that's the best medicine, forcing people to sing at you or for you. Mamma Mia. Here's a clip. Oh, my God! Sorry. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. There never seems to be a single penny left for me. Don't sit down there. That's too bad. It's broken. A complete waste of time, in my opinion. <laughs> Mama Mia. <laughs> but I know that Kristen loves it. And Shan, perhaps, if you like singing, that's your boat. Uh, okay, here's another music movie for you. Um, Pirate Radio. This is a movie that came out a few years back. Um, Good cast. Um, Bill Nye is in it, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it. It, it. It's directed and written by Richard Curtis, who hates bad things. He hates anything bad to happen to anyone in his <laughs> movies. That's uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, About Time, one of Kristen's oh, favorite movies from the movie. past year or what? so. Um, this is a movie based on sort of real events about uh, a kid who joins a pirate radio boat. In the 60s, there were boats uh, off the coast of England, out, out, in the, out in the ocean, broadcasting pirate radio to the kids back home. They were, uh, the DJs were celebrities. They were hugely famous. And, of course, the queen was never happy about that. And uh, they, these boats would get chased down. So it's got a great rock and roll soundtrack, great cast. Here's a clip. Carl, say hello to the 20 million people who've been waiting with bated breath to hear the news whether or not you have indeed misplaced your crucial cherry tonight. I think that's a yes. Is that a yes? And remember the reply, I don't want to answer that question, means yes. I'm certainly not going to answer that question. Houston! That sounds not challenging and just happy. That's exactly, exactly <laughs> what it is. That's my, that's my second pick to you, Shan. My second pick is not challenging either. It is just stupid. Because when you're sick, sometimes stupid is all you need. I agree. You don't need to think too hard. And the stupidest fun movie, or the funnest stupidest movie, depending on how you <laughs> want to frame it, that I can think of is Zoolander. Here's a clip. Without much further ado, I give you... The Derek Zoolander, sinner for kids who can't read good. What is this? A center for ants? What? 
How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? Zoolander, many of us know this movie quite well. It's about really dumb male models. Yeah. Being gorgeous and being dumb, but not even that gorgeous, just being stupid and funny. (laughs) And it stars Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. And, you know, they're just modeling. They're posing. They're modeling. They're being dumb. And my favorite scene is a gasoline fight. The, ga- the gasoline the fight. The gasoline fight pretty much makes the whole movie. It's re- it, it really is a masterpiece. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> Z- yeah. Zoolander is. Zoolander is. It's that, that, movie's, that movie's unstoppable. Uh, good choice on that one, Kristen. Okay. My last, uh, my last prescription, Shan, is a little movie that uh, got very little traction here in the U.S. It's called The Angel's Share. And this is the only movie I know of that decided to capitalize on the Scotch craze, the worldwide Scotch craze. And this is a movie by Ken Loach, a guy who does make comedies, although not usually comedies quite as fluffy as this one. This is just a heist flick about some guys who decide to heist some scotch. They found they've, there's some wildly expensive scotch out there, and they decide they're going to take the angel's share of it, just a little pinch for themselves. Here's a clip. How long do you keep the whiskey and the casks for? 10, 20, 30 years. It just depends. What's the most expensive one? The most expensive? Well, we actually found a cask about a year, a cask about a year ago, and we sold one bottle from the cask for £100,000. That's the whole plot, just stealing booze. And it works. That's it. <laughs> they steal it, they get it, it all works out great. Booze is delicious. That's all there is to it. You don't need it. to steal it, though. Totally fun, charming, fluffy, enjoyable movie. That's my last pick. <laughs> well, my final pick, Sham, because when you're sick and when you're going through what you're going through right now, sometimes you just need to be reminded that you're a man, too. And is there a more manly movie out there than Roadhouse? There is not. Patrick Swayze? No, there's not a more manly movie. None more manly. He is a man who's also a scholar, a thinker, and a lover. Here's a clip. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. He majored in philosophy at NYU. Yeah, he knows a lot. He meditates. Um, mm-hmm. He fights. Mm-hmm. He but, can pull your throat out with three fingers. Yeah. Um, he likes justice. That's right. That's right. But mostly it's it's such a ridiculous movie that I think you're going to laugh too. This this is a movie that, Ray, for you introduced me to. I didn't even know this movie until you introduced me to it. Yeah. And And I've really come to love this movie. And I think... This is a movie that you can prescribe for a lot of situations, a lot of ailments. Yeah, really, Roadhouse is kind of a movie that you could put on in any circumstance. If you're, are you feeling bad, put on Roadhouse. Feeling happy, it's time to put on Roadhouse. <laughs> Trouble in your life, put on Roadhouse. <laughs> so that is our prescription. So take a few of those, call us in the morning, let us know how it goes. And we want to remind all listeners that you can always call us for movie therapy All you have to do is call our hotline, 5717movies. You can also reach us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast or moviedatepodcast.org. All right. Time, Kristen, for trivia. Woohoo! Everyone's favorite part of the week. Indeed. All right. Give us uh, last week's trivia. So last week, in honor of Jason Segel and the movie Sex Tape, a movie in which uh, Jason Siegel sang. He sings in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm, that's right. So we asked you, which movie is this that he's singing in? Wrong, 
got a lot of right answers, but every week we can only randomly select one of those right answers. Here you go. Hey, guys. This is Kavita Patel from Hoboken. I was calling with the answer for this week's trivia, and the movie is I Love You, Man. All right. Thanks. Spot on. Kavita Patel, thank you so much for calling. We really appreciate it. (laughs) All right. This week's trivia. Now, because we've been talking about Magic in the Moonlight kind of jazz age fable about spiritualism and love, uh, we decided to pick another movie that takes place in the 1920s. We're going to play this clip. Hello, guppies. What colossal trumpery is taking place at Vanity Fair? Well, Mr. Sherwood was replaced last week by the woman who gives music lessons to Condé Nast's daughter. A woman, I might add, who's so full of charm, she's practically panting with it. (laughs) And then Mrs. Parker was fired because... Because I presume Vanity Fair is a magazine of no opinion, and she has plenty. If you can name that movie, and here's a hint, the characters are not fictional. I love this movie. There's your hint. If you can name that movie set in the 1920s, give us a call. 5717movies. Or you can always visit us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast or moviedatepodcast.org.